Welcome to War Room, the official podcast of the U.S. Army War College Online Journal, graciously supported by the Army War College Foundation. Please join the conversation at warroom.armywarcollege.edu. We hope you enjoy the program. Make sure not to miss a single podcast and subscribe to A Better Peace, the War Room podcast at iTunes, Google Play, or your favorite subscription service. The views expressed in this presentation are those of the speakers and do not necessarily reflect those of the U.S. Army War College, U.S. Army, or Department of Defense. Welcome to War Room, Mill Spouse Edition, Their Mission, Our Story, a limited-run series on a better peace that addresses the issues that military families face while they support their soldiers, sailors, airmen, Marines, Guardians, and Coasties. My name is Linda. I'm a Navy wife with the survival skills to raise two children, move seven times, and thrive during multiple deployments, and somehow still find time to volunteer. My co-host navigating these stories with me is Faith. Faith is an Army wife who works outside the home as a doula and gives her time away as a perpetual, unprofessional volunteer. We know this isn't War Room's normal fare, but we're confident that the topics featured will highlight our unique military culture. Expect the conversations to be honest, the stories to be impactful, and the resources to help the family's mission. Hello and welcome. This is Faith Bomar with the Mill Spouse Edition. And I'm Linda Lind. Welcome to our story. We are your co-hosts for this special series. Today's topic is transitioning students with exceptional needs. Moving can be overwhelming and challenging for all of us, but especially for our children with exceptional needs. And a lot more planning ahead is beneficial to help with the smoothest possible transition to a new school. Today we are joined by Danielle Foote. Danielle is a proud Army brat, the wife of an active duty soldier, a mother of two teenage girls, and a professional educator. She has experienced the opportunities and challenges of educating military children from the perspective of child, parent, and teacher. Her oldest daughter has attended over eight schools, and her youngest has attended six. Danielle holds a bachelor's degree in speech pathology and a master's degree in reading and is a certified reading specialist. She holds over 10 years of special education teaching experience across numerous grade levels in fostering a love of learning in not only her own children, but ours as well. We're so fortunate to have her with us. Welcome, Danielle. Oh, thanks. Appreciate the warm welcome and glad to be here. All right. Is it safe to say that we can all relate to the overwhelming feelings that so often follow once PCS orders are in hand? It can be challenging time for our entire family, but especially like Linda said in the beginning, the children with exceptional needs. Can you share your thoughts on why being prepared for a new school is especially important? Absolutely. First, I would like to start off by saying, take a deep breath, a big deep one, and just believe in yourself. Parenting is awesome, but it is a climb. Transitions (laughs) to change can be exciting, but bring their own bag of worries and stress. Be confident that you know your child best and are his biggest advocate. Your receiving school will be beyond grateful for your involvement and any information that you can provide them as this helps to ensure they can successfully meet your child's needs. 
The time and energy you invest in preparing for the transition is crucial as it increases the likelihood for that positive school experience each time we move. Absolutely. I agree with you. We have this uh, personally, we have dealt with moving children with IEPs ever since we've had children in school. But can you explain what IEP means? Absolutely. So um, an IEP is an individualized education plan, um, and it is a federally mandated plan that has to fall under certain guidelines Mm -hmm. and regulations. Okay. And it's set in place for kiddos who cannot, let's say, make growth and education, like advances in their education without that specialized direct instruction, usually like in a small group setting or with a with that with specialized supports. Okay. Like, for example, okay. my daughter uh, received extra time when taking a test. It was just as exactly. simple as that. But when it, mm-hmm. that was placed in her education plan, it allowed her to succeed and achieve mm-hmm. an understanding of the lesson plan and have a better grade in the end because she just had a little more time to read through the directions and read through. So those have been instrumental in our life. But Faith, let me interrupt you really quick and tell you too, just piggybacking on that. So there's also 504 plans that are also important to consider while, you know, if you have a child that has a 504 plan, when you are PCSing and just with you talking about that personal experience with your daughter, sometimes those 504s are really there for just accommodations Mm -hmm. to be able to give kids, you know, those supports where they can still make that growth inside the general ed classroom without the um, additional, I'll say, pull out supports. So what are some helpful suggestions before we leave our current location that we can do to prepare for the move ahead? That is a great question. And I think such a huge thing to be able to put in your toolbox are some of these things that I've collected along the way. Um, As soon as you have that RFO, that request for orders in hand, which is a a celebration in itself, right? (laughs) True. Um, Yeah. Start networking and spread that word. Uh, start researching your new area and the schools. One great tool I have I found beneficial is through um, MSEC, uh, the Military uh, Child Education Coalition. Um, they have a a um, I'll call it a a program called School Quest, and it actually has a great um, program for getting kids even with special needs on the right track and making sure that the schools that they are looking at fit the bill. We'll say. Mm-hmm. I'd also contact EFMP and let them know that your family is PCSing, as well as your primary care manager, therapy and therapy providers, if you have any. Okay. Can you tell uh, me what EFMP stands for in case? Yeah, absolutely. It's Exceptional Family Members Program. And um, sometimes I got to be honest here and say that sometimes, you know, people are just like cringe if they've heard of it because maybe they had a bad experience. But truly, um, that program is fantastic when it comes to ensuring that your future assignments are going to be able to provide the supports and needs for your family and especially your child. It absolutely, I um, believe, is just kind of an umbrella protective program of absolutely uh, families and, and children. Mm-hmm. Right. And they, uh, this was new to me. They actually have an EFMP and me um, resource that's, that's phenomenal. It has a plethora of great um, helpful information. And again, that's just there to they're there to support you to make sure that you can um, tie up any loose ends and that records are going to be updated and 
it's it's truly worth your while to check that that out. Part of the success of having an EEFMP office on post has been that when we have transitioned to a new duty station and gone in, there are meetups with other families on post that are also mm-hmm. enrolled in EFMP. And if you don't have the resource that you were looking for initially, oftentimes you're going to find that through conversation of an, another parent who may have been at the duty station longer or has previously been on a post that you're going to be transitioning to. So those meetups can be instrumental in finding resources. Oh, absolutely. I could not agree more. I mean, that networking, I mean, hey, mamas and even papa bears are awesome uh, resources for us. I mean, I, I, I know I've treasured the, the ideas and feedback that they've been able to provide me from their experiences at, at certain schools around, around the world. Yeah. I also want to say too, another great resource is that school liaison officer. Um, we touched on that when we spoke with Michelle Sumter as well on the, um, the education podcast. So tell me what your experience is with that. Well, you know, they, they do, one of their roles is to um, know and understand the special education um, services that they have in their area. So when you contact them, they are already very, you know, astute on um, the, maybe the special ed directors, um, all those contacts that you need to have um, in your pocket for when you're wanting to reach out to those schools before you leave. So they're, they're really great at making those connections. I have found that they're kind of phone directory in, in, in the form of a person. <laughs> they really have all the phone numbers of the people. So you call and tell them what you're needing. They usually have yes. a phone number to get to the person to answer what you're needing. If they don't know what yes. they answer themselves, they're, you know, a, a great phone directory, which I'm sure is not in their job description. But <laughs> <laughs> can you share with us some ways in which parents can support their new school? How do we advocate not only for our kids, but also in the school? Absolutely. Absolutely. I've, first of all, I would like to say that it's really important to kind of set the tone at home. Moving, especially for kids that, you know, that have um, exceptional needs, tra- like routines and structure, predictability, those are all things that all kids need, but especially kids that um, just have those special needs, need that even more. So I really might, um, can't stress enough the importance of communicating with your kiddos at home and making it um, exciting. This is going to be a great adventure for our family. And through researching about their new school, um, that kind of almost gives them a little sense of security and knowing what's to come. Mm-hmm. Uh, I also think ensuring that we have uh Things set up for ourselves, like all our medical records are straight. We've got um, a current IEP, uh, current evals, all of those papers that are so important to um, exp- like kind of, I'll say, giving our a snapshot of what our kiddo needs and um, their awesomeness. And being able to, per- to hand carry that to your next school is Priceless. And the magical and binder, do, the PCSing binder that we all carry that was, we'll, we'll keep referring yes, to yeah. in every podcast, I think. Yes. <laughs> I can't stress enough the importance of having a student portfolio or binder. Um, that's probably the greatest gift you could give your child and yourself. One, yourself, because if you're, <laughs> I've had 
testing documents um, and evaluation reports that I'm like, I know I put that in that red folder. Uh, shoot, I can't find it now. And so I've I've come up with even for our own family, you know, I've got the the red binder and it's all my kids, um, you know, just really important documents. They, it's a great way to capture information about your child as well as provide an easy way to document the, in, all your information all in one spot. Every child is unique. They all have their own strengths and weaknesses, things they like and dislike. Um, and parents and educators alike you know, should strive to know each child. Through everyday interactions, a child's teacher develops a rapport with your child that provides a glimpse as to who they are. And this information is important and should be documented. So let your teacher know that your family will be PCSing. I'm sure it's going to break his or her heart. <laughs> but ask them, ask them to write a letter or an email stating things they love about your student, things that work or things that don't work um, as far as their learning or even just, you know, playing on the playground. That is incredible I remember- advice. That's oh, incredible advice. I in all the times that we have moved and gone from one um, IEP instructor <clears throat> to another mm-hmm. IEP instructor, I have not asked the previous one to write anything about my child. It's always the questionnaire that we get at the beginning of mm-hmm. the year and the you know the the registration packet, right? That I rely on. But right. what a sound piece of advice to ask. Hey, you've worked with my child for this many years or this many months and mm-hmm. sometimes, right? Unfortunately, you've worked with my child with this right. amount of time. Can you write a letter to their next, you know, special needs instructor and of your experience? And I will, you know, pass that to them themselves. That's a wonderful bit of advice. Well, thanks, Faith. I remember I had a, an, an awesome parent. Um, I love, she was phenomenal. She's the one that actually gave me this idea. I remember she shared with me her child's favorite color, um, his, his favorite superhero character and a few triggers that upset him. Uh, and it was incredibly helpful for me to know that information because I was able to ensure a strong comforting start to his school year by incorporating those things I already knew that he loved. Um, and we developed a, a strong bond and trust, I would say almost five times faster because I knew a little bit about him, you know, on the sly. <laughs> Absolutely. No, yeah. I wish I had done that 20 years ago to my mother-in-law. She would have, should have asked her for a letter. <laughs> Things. <laughs> and I would add that to the portfolio. So it's, you know, those are in there. And um, I think too, it, it really, when you walk in um, to that interview with, you know, your, your new teacher and you've got all that organized, um, it just sets off a really good tone with um, that teacher. It's so important. I think even as, as an educator, I always try to tell parents, you are just as crucial to this learning as, as I am. And your, and your child is too. It's like a triad. Um, and we all got to be together on the same page. So, you know, by giving them a little bit of tips, um, I think you just, it's empowering for everybody. Yeah. This all sounds like things um, in the in the other education podcast. We also we talked about scanning in all of those documents that are important, as far as your birth certificate and any test scores and things like that. These things need to go in that scanned file that you save wherever as well, yeah. Um, so that you have access to them wherever you need them. Organization being so key when we PCS, but the paperwork 
sometimes not being the priority right away. Like, you know, I want to make sure that they, you know, pack all of the things in the pantry that are closed because technically they can. (laughs) But when I go to find my (laughs) child's most up-to-date IEP, it's in the to-be-filed pile, right? So that's the key of a smooth transition for all of our students, but definitely the ones where you need to take extra care because you know there's going to be meetings initially, right? So you relocate to your new duty station and those uh, IEP meetings happen, should happen soon after the school year starts and walking in with your student relocation portfolio, man, I'm going to be, I'm going to look like such a good mom, you guys. I'm going to look so put together. I'm real excited about that bit of advice. Oh, I'm so glad. Well, you know, and, and I, and nothing makes me feel worse for a mama um, when she walks in and, you know, cause already you're already having to start over again and it's, and it, and it is, it's a climb. So if you can have that binder set and even like information um, on specific medical procedures, like your asthma plan, your seizure plan, mm-hmm. um, all that, mm-hmm. all those kinds of things also are in that binder. Um that's eligibility and eval summaries. Um, even maybe notes that you've, you know, shared with your, in the past, like maybe there's been some problems and um, you guys have found solutions through an email chain and you're, it's just, it not only, you don't need to share all that with your teachers necessarily, your, your new school, but just to have that for your own uh, memory. Cause I don't know about you guys, but I know my mom, mom brain sometimes wins and I forget things all the time. So it's just nice to be able to put your brain in that binder and yeah. not have to think about it again. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, speaking of parents, can you share with us any suggestions you have for places parents might go to find support? This is not always easy on us. So Military One Source is a great, a great tool to, to explore when it comes to just finding, finding knowledge and um, because we know knowledge is power. And um, it definitely can make us feel better on a day where we're overwhelmed by options or decisions or challenges. Another one that I find for parents is the Parent Center Hub. And that is another great website that has a ton of um, military-focused tools and articles to be able to, to explore. And another one that sounds kind of trivial, but even getting on social media and um, there's a lot of great parent groups out there. Uh, getting involved in the PTO, PTA, wherever, whatever um, new uh-huh. word your school is using to whatever mm-hmm. acronym that we love to use. Um, but, you know, I really would suggest plugging in because uh, to those parent networks and groups um, and just kind of being be willing to be vulnerable and um, even talking with your teacher. They might have a great uh, a suggestion on somebody that they can, you know, link you up with, because I feel like when you got a battle buddy, whether it's, you know, with, as a, as moms, dads, um, it definitely makes it a whole lot easier. I think it's nice that you touched on the word vulnerability because this is all heart heavy stuff. Sometimes it can be right. It can be a little bit triggering, When we first started out in making the decision to get an IEP for a child that was struggling, that was emotional, right? And it felt very vulnerable. And those first few meetings can be somewhat intimidating, 
to go in because you have the school counselor, you have the principal, you have the speech pathologist, you've got the special needs instructor, you've got, and you're sitting there going, I just want my kid not to struggle. We just need to figure out how to smoothly transition this new diagnosis. We just need to, there's all of these factors that come into play that make for a heightened emotional state for a lot of people and for for me when I'll and I'll absolutely you know put that out there and information is power but having compassionate like-minded families around you that have gone through the same thing and can speak to mm-hmm. the, the similar experiences is so valuable, so incredible. And then instructors and uh, people like yourself who come in to support and know <laughs> and know what they're talking about. I'm so grateful for you, Danielle. Oh, Faith. But I have to tell you, first, thanks for sharing that. And um, and I can really relate to you on as a as a parent, just that that almost that um, that initial, hey, we have we we got a problem, Houston, and you're like, what? It it, it takes your breath away. And um, I, when I'm in an IEP meeting, meeting, especially not as mom but as teacher, because yeah. um, I've been I've been there both ways. But um, it's I think a lot of times we forget as educators, it's a lot of that is a lot of jargon, a lot of professional jargon when they start reading the IP and you're like procedural safeguards. What? Like we, you know, um, least restrictive environment. What? And I try really hard to, um, put it in just a very compassionate, loving way of mom and dad, you've done nothing wrong. And your kiddo is going to be great because we're, that's why we have this plan. We're making this plan together, together. I want to, I keep hitting that with parents Mm -hmm. because, if you don't agree with something, it you have every right to say, "Wait, I don't, I don't know if we need that, or can we add this?" Or um, I think we that's, need to know I think that that's learned on the parent side, though, as well. It's learned it to is, be able to speak right? up and then ask, "Hey, I don't understand that term. Everyone else in the room seems to. We need to break that down so I understand what that means because it means something most likely very simple. There's just a fancy name for it." <laughs> Exactly. Exactly. And it, and it's not like, oh, well, I, I'm not, I can't, I'm not smart. No, it, you, it's, you do know this. You just don't know, you know it. And once you explain like, oh, okay, I got that. I, I, I get that. Yeah. We, uh, sometimes, sometimes we forget that we are our child's best advocate. In the moment, for and sure. And all we have yeah. to do is say, can you explain that to me? Mm-hmm. And that's all we have to do in order to advocate for right. our child. And I can remember feeling like, well, I don't want to be that mom. I don't want to be that. Yeah. Well, <laughs> your child is, you know, Linda, like you said, your child is counting on you to advocate and your school truly does want you to. I mean, you know them best. And so hold that tight. Just know, um, and, and with the attitude of we are all on the same team, sometimes it, you know, we might not feel that way because I, and I know I've probably have been guilty of this too. I'm, I've got. 14 other kids on my caseload and, and I'm taking care of everybody, but I, I, I meant to call you today and I forgot. So if you ever have a, or I ran out of time, but if you ever have a question or you need, you can call an IEP meeting anytime. It's not just once a year. Um, and remember that too, if something's not working and your child's going home and sharing that they're struggling, 
um, definitely reach out to your school and, and talk about what's going on. I have found success with including my child in one of the end of one of the IEP meetings to explain exactly what the services are going to be going forward. Um, or see, even sitting down with my child afterwards and telling, you know, them, hey, had an, a meeting today regarding your services at school. This is what, you know, to, to expect. And do you know this instructor? Do you know this new teacher? Do you know the name of, you know, Mr. or Mrs. So-and-so that's going to be helping mm-hmm. you with speech or going to be helping you with math or reading or whatever the rhetoric it is? So if they know the name of the person that's going to be helping them, part of that transition from going from school to school has been helpful for our family. I know. I I would say, I love that faith. I think that is so, that is so important to keep, to make that dialogue with your child. Uh, It really does teach them to self-advocate as Mm -hmm. well, because eventually what our goal is, is that they, they learn how to advocate and it, all the pieces come together and we can eventually graduate from that IEP. And you're helping do that by sitting them down and ensuring that they understand what they're supposed to be receiving as far as accommodations and um, modifications. And and at the same time, you're also checking to make sure like it's happening. Yes, you know? absolutely. But, We've done yes. that. We've come across um, where, you know, when they transition from elementary where you've got your one or two teachers, right, to the junior high setting where now she had seven instructors. And so sending out and, you know, I just sent out a mass email quarter into the year and said, how are you implementing my daughter's IEP in your classroom setting on a daily basis? Thank you so much, Faith Bomar. And then waited for those emails to roll in and then checked with my child that that was happening because that's you know, advocating, 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 but in the simplest of ways sometimes. Right. And again, I'm going to kind of beat the drum on this, but sometimes parents won't want to do that because they think, oh, I don't want to be that parent. I don't want to sound like, and I, I cannot stress enough, be that person because really, um, especially in that middle school, high school setting, uh, you very rarely get a whole lot from parents. And in, um, and then I think teachers crave it. I mean, they really do like, ooh, Faith, I, I like this lady. You know, like she's invested in her child. Like, and it, and it really does kind of highlight that, you know. Very like that, Danielle. <laughs> <laughs> I, think that, I think that really is important though. So good for you for doing that. And I hope that just having people hear, hear your story and the things that you guys are doing, um, on your, on your walk will um, resonate with them in their heart and they'll, and they'll do it too. Well, and it's not just for those students yeah. who need an ex- a little extra help either, right? That as there are also the IEPs for the gifted program as well, for you want to make sure that right. your exactly. student is being challenged um, so that they mm-hmm. can make those leaps. And, and even those kids that are double. Yes. And yet they have those call it double gifted where maybe they have a learning disability, but at the same time, they're also, you know, um, needing that challenge and being in those classes that are, uh, under the umbrella of Mm -hmm. gifted and talented. Um, and those are to me, fascinating, absolutely fascinating kiddos. They all are, but to be double gifted is, I like a good challenge. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. 
So Danielle, what are some resources you have found to be most helpful for parents that have additional questions regarding the transition of exceptional children? Oh, great last question, Linda. I think um, I've got about four that I really find to be great resources. I've mentioned some of them earlier, but I definitely want to highlight them again. The um, MSEC, the Military Child Education Coalition, has phenomenal resources on their website. They have podcasts, webinars, um, free resources. I mean, it's just a a plethora of info, really helpful, beneficial stuff for you um, to add to your toolbox. I also, um, the Military Interstate Children's Compact Commission, and that's um, MIC3.net, that that basically is a website that breaks down the eligibility per state. That is a frustrating thing, and, and we didn't really hit on that too much during our chat, but I'm going to go ahead and put a yeah, plug in real quick for that. Yeah, it's, you know, when you move and you have an IEP and everything's great, and you're in, let's say, Kansas, and then it's time to move and you go to North Carolina. A lot of times we hold our breath thinking, are they going to get the same services? Will they accept the IEP? And the answer is, it depends on the state. Yes, but don't expect it to look exactly Uh the same every time. Um, And that's tough. I mean, Uh sometimes, because again, because we love our kids and we want them to be successful. So that website, um, that Military Interstate Children's Compact Commission, just kind of lays out like what each state, um, their eligibility requirements are. But again, I say all that with not to make anybody um, panic or because I've, I've been, I've taught in North Carolina all the way to Alaska and in between. And I've never seen a child with an IEP come to our, to a district I've taught at and, and the district has rejected their IEP. It's more of, well, we don't have, we don't, you know, they might not get that aid um, one-on-one. They might have an aid two on two children to one aid due to their regulation. So anyway, just to kind of have that um, resource in your pocket if you want that. But uh, another one I, I did mention was the EFMP and me. Um, and that is, that is a great resource as well as the parent center hub. Uh, I think that all of those websites just give us so much helpful inf- information on transitioning um, resources to be able to help if, you know, you're having a, a problem or you need to have just information on how to find special services or something like that. Before we, before we close, did we touch everything you want to touch on, Danielle? Did, so. Is there anything that we didn't ask you that you feel strongly we need to say? Part of what you said about transitioning from state to state resonates because oftentimes I think it mirrors the the branches, right? So all of our military branches oftentimes have the same resource. They just call it something different. So within an IEP for my child, I was asking about a service and just because they didn't understand the term that I was using didn't mean that the school didn't offer that service. It just meant they called it something different. That is so, so true. And then sometimes I think that when we don't realize that there's, it's just a communication thing, a vocabulary thing it, that can cause some um, hiccups with the trans, with the handoff with uh, I'll say old school to parent to new school. And it, especially when you get emotions mm-hmm. in there, things can get a little bit tricky. Um, and I, and that's where I always say, 
why it's so important to talk to your school and make those relationships relationships with your case manager. And that way you can get to where you're saying, where you can discover, oh, we you do offer that, but it's just- There was a- You call it do, different. Absolutely. There was a yeah. large mm-hmm. leap going from a DODEA, Department of Defense School, to a state public school. The- Yes. They offer the same things. (laughs) They call them totally different. And all of the paperwork had to be changed as well. So much of that responsibility was not on me except to oversee that it had been done and that it was something that we could put into what I'm now going to call student relocation portfolio and transition (laughs) to the next place. Because sometimes we're going to go then back into with our next move back into another DOD school. And so we can make sure that that transition is as smooth as possible. Right. Well, and you know, it's also important to, to mention every state likes their own, I'm going to call it IEP writer. So even as a teacher, when I move, I, and I go to a different school district and teach there, I have to learn a new program And um, the DOTS program yeah. is way different than, than even all the other ones. You know, they'll call them the state yes, ones. Yes, absolutely. But, uh, and that's just protocol. Like if you go to it, when you move and they say you have to, we, you know, we have to, they take your initial move-in mm-hmm. IEP and then that state has X amount of days to accept it and rewrite it. And I'm going to call it their language, their Correct. program. Um, and so it does look different. And even for, it's funny because Every time it never fails, even me as an educator, I look at it like, I don't like this form as well as the, you know, state X's, but then it grows <laughs> on you and you end up like, oh no, this really is way yeah. better than what I was using before. Yes. So when I think parents feel the same, you know, end up feeling the same way. You get cozy with what you're used to looking at, right? <laughs> and then yeah. you make friends, you. you make friends yes. and then you get a uh, referral for orders, RFO and you're. Exactly. Friends like <laughs> and yes. you start all over exactly. again. Yeah. Uh, well, so as today's episode yeah. comes to a close, we would like to thank Danielle once again for joining us today. Oh, you guys, I'm so glad that I got to share this time with you and talk about my favorite thing, which is kiddos. And you guys, it was so much fun. Thanks for the opportunity. We'd like to thank all of our listeners out there as well. Please send us your comments on this podcast or others, and we'd love to hear your suggestions or ideas for future topics. We're always interested in hearing from you. If you've not already done so, I hope you'll subscribe to War Room via our website, which will put updates and content directly in your inbox. And you can also subscribe to A Better Piece on the podcatcher of your choice. And if you would, rate and review the podcast. That will certainly help other people find us as well. We look forward to having you all again with us soon. And until next time from the War Room. I'm Faith Bomar with their mission. And I'm Linda Lind. This has been our story. And that concludes our program. Thank you for listening. The views expressed in this podcast reflect those of the speakers and do not necessarily reflect the views, policies, or positions of the U.S. Army or the Department of Defense. Let us know what you think. Provide us your feedback, comments, or suggestions through our webpage at warroom.armywarcollege.edu. And have a great day.